0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Steven Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Once upon a time, a real estate mogul in New York became a celebrity. He made cameos in big budget films, he released books under his name, and got his own reality TV show. Then he ran for president of the United States, and he won. My next guest says with the election of Donald Trump in 2016, quote, television has conquered America. I want to welcome James Ponowazek, who is the chief television critic for The New York Times, to Detroit Today. He is also, also the author of the book, Audience of One, Donald Trump Television and The Fracturing of America from Penguin Random House. He will also be in town on Monday, the 21st of October, for the Book and Author Society's 95th Author Luncheon in Livonia. Jim, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Stephen, thank you for having me on.
0: Yes. Um, So let's start with the the kind of grand thesis of your book. You, You kind of trace the history of TV and mass media from the Reagan era to today. What do those three decades leading up to this 2016 election tell us about how media have shaped America and Americans' attitudes towards celebrity and leadership?
1: So the, the, the big global change in media over that period is basically it goes from a mass medium to a niche medium. You go from the time when you know, television was ABC, CBS, NBC. Uh, to the time when we have, you know, hundreds of cable channels and uh, uh, numerous channels just for news and social media and Internet outlets targeted specific audiences. And, and what that means is that the audience changes or the audiences change uh, back in the mid 20th century, because media was so consolidated, anything that was on television had to draw an audience of tens of millions and thus had to Basically, be programmed to avoid alienating too many people. Um, that changes as you go to a more niche cable-oriented medium, and so on. Uh, and it changes in a lot of ways. It changes television creatively. It allows more risk-taking. in shows like you know The Sopranos on HBO, and so forth. And it also allows a and, and encourages a much more sort of polarizing, provocative dialogue in nonfiction television. And that is a part, just a part, but a, a, a big part of how we got from the point where, you know, it would have been the, the, the substance of Hollywood satire to have a TV game show host run for president and win <laughs> uh, to the point where that was entirely plausible and in, in fact happened. And, you know, that that is part of partly the story of Donald Trump and the the TV character he portrayed, but it is in big part a a story of the evolution of television and media. Hmm.
0: So in addition to media and television changing over those three decades, those of us who are old enough to remember the 80s, for instance, know that Donald Trump has changed a lot over that time. He's been a number of different things. Um, Talk about how his persona developed into the one that we are dealing with now in the White House?
1: In the same way that, you know, if a a long-running sitcom stays on the air long enough, there will be sort of subtle changes in in the character and and their tone and so forth, but they'll have sort of a a, a base root uh, as a character. Uh, Thus is the character of Donald Trump. Uh, You know, he emerges in New York and then national media talk shows and so forth as kind of a, you know... Boisterous, flashy, braggadocious New York millionaire slash billionaire, depending on how he was describing himself uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the tone of some of his earlier interviews, you see a less sort of pugnacious, uh, a less um, just you know blatantly confrontational and fight-seeking Donald Trump uh, than the one that you're used to seeing you know, on The Apprentice and, and in, in, in the news, uh, which is in part, you know, I, I think it a outgrowth of a change in media. It required sort of a a gentler, more broad-based tone in, in those, those early years. Yet, the broad strokes of the character were, you know, largely the same. Uh, he is establishing himself in the 80s. Uh, because he had great timing, becoming a public figure around the, the Reagan era, uh, as, as kind of a, a public cartoon of wealth. You know, he makes himself into like the guy off the side of the monopoly box, surrounding himself with these images and, and 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 figures of success, things that sort of you know instantly trigger the associations with successful rich person in the mind of an audience, because. He was a performer from the beginning. He was somebody who courted celebrity and media success from the beginning. And I think that he intuited that a heavily mediated culture, it is more important to present the image of the thing, you know, in this case, successful businessmen, than to necessarily be that thing. Because you can leverage that success into greater media presence and a brand, and that can become its own form of business success and then ultimately uh, uh, political success. So so, so what you had was, you know, there was always this core of Donald Trump, uh, you know, flashy rich guy who brags and wins. But as tone of media changes over the time, as the the sorts of media in which he's performing change, uh, he becomes over the decades rewarded for more aggressive and confrontational self-presentation, which is how he evolved into the Trump we have today.
0: Uh one of the one of the things that I have always found interesting about Donald Trump and especially about reality TV is again this this profile that was created for us in that show The Apprentice and especially the first season of that show where I think there were a lot of Americans who didn't know a whole lot about Donald Trump other than that he was a real estate developer in New York But the way in which he's cast as this very incisive decision maker, the way that he's cast as somebody who's really on top of detail and uh, sort of demanding of the people around him of uh, attention to detail and precision, uh, is is that a false character? Is that a fictional character? Uh, That was created by reality TV, which is its own sort of phenomenon, this idea of reality TV, quote unquote, making us sort of believe things that aren't that aren't true. Or was this uh, an actual capturing of of who he was at that point? Well, it's it's artifice,
1: which is what reality TV is. In reality TV, you're filming a lot of things that actually happen but then editing them to create a story and a narrative and confer a logic on them where sometimes none exists. And one thing that Donald Trump benefited from in The Apprentice was that even if he would make uh, firing and hiring decisions in the boardroom that were often uh, sort of mercurial and based on, you know, simply, getting annoyed with somebody or the way somebody spoke to him or, or, or so forth, uh, uh, getting rid of somebody in a way that seemed to have no relation to that week's challenge, what the editors of the show would then do, and that they've, they've, they've talked about this in interviews, is that they would have to go back and say, well, okay, we've got to edit this, the sequences of, of the, the, the weekly challenge that are going to lead up to this in, in the apprentice episode so that it seems like this decision makes sense uh, because they have a mutual interest with Donald Trump. They want to present The Apprentice as the best TV show. In order to be the best reality TV show about business, they have to present him as the best businessman. So confident, decisive, uh, unerring in his judgment, uh, you know, uh, uh, enjoyable, entertaining, uh, wise. And, and, and all of these things, you know, it's not fiction in the sense of you know, faking the moon landing or whatnot. But it is a, a construct. And, and in many ways, the funny thing is I think that um, reality TV viewers are often highly aware that reality shows are constructs, that they're edited for drama, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but they're accustomed to looking for that artificiality on the part of how the contestants are presented. The, 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 the great thing that The Apprentice does for Donald Trump is that he is more the, the premise of the show. Uh, he's like the island in Survivor. And so one doesn't necessarily walk it, question whether he is the way that the show is making him appear to be, uh, because your, your your attention in that sense is, is focused elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, it, as much as it benefited him by broadcasting all these symbols and signifiers of wealth and success that he had built up around himself for decades, it also... Creates a personality for image and image of him as a confident, decisive, and uh, you know, straight-shooting business leader that he would later trade on as a politician.
0: Mm. Uh, my guest is Jim Panowacz. He's the chief television critic for the New York Times and author of a book called "Audience of One: Donald Trump Television." and The Fracturing of America. Uh, Jim will also be in town on Monday, the 21st, for the Book and Author Society's 95th author luncheon in Livonia. Jim is also uh, a native of Southeast Michigan and a graduate of the University of Michigan, also a fellow alum of my beloved college newspaper, the Michigan Daily. The Daily. Uh, That's right. (laughs) We have to give a shout out there. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us how you view Donald Trump now and how you viewed him before he ran for president. What did you think of the man you saw on the show, The Apprentice, and his presence in popular culture going back to the 1980s? We especially want to hear from you. If you voted for Donald Trump in 2016, did you find his brash reality TV persona refreshing in a landscape of more traditional buttoned-down politicians? Was there something about what you saw in that reality TV presence that made you Cast your vote for the president. Uh, As always, the number on the show here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Also, we would love to hear from you if you voted for the president in 2016 and now feel like you're watching a different person in the White House. Is he uh, somehow altered by the presidency? Was he putting on on reality television and now we're really seeing the real Donald Trump? Uh, What do you think of this sort of distinction that we're seeing between the person that we had on TV for years and the guy that now is making decisions that uh, that impact the entire world. Um, Jim, before we get to calls and, and comments, uh, I want to talk about what you think uh, this has done for television, what the Trump presidency has done for television. I mean, uh, we're talking about how much it has changed over the last three decades, uh, and how much he's changed. Is is television altered by this presidency and his use of television in the presidency?
1: One ironic thing that the, I think the Trump campaign did for television was reaffirm its power and influence in American elections, in the, in the sense that I think that among a lot of pundits and media observers, there was the sense, and this maybe be there was the sense that we're we're sort of moving away from the television era and into a more distributed media economy of particularly social media. And obviously there's a great deal of attention around that with with, with Donald Trump, you know, his use of, of, of Twitter and social media as kind of a a focus group slash megaphone. Um, you know, Twitter was very important to his campaign and obviously it's been a very loud voice in his presidency. But part of the reason that it was such a big deal was that he essentially used Twitter to program television, particularly to direct the attention of cable news, which suddenly had this shocking and ratings-grabbing phenomenon to cover, right, which was this presidential candidate and then president who would shoot his mouth off and and say whatever unbelievable thing on on Twitter. Uh, So, you know, on the one hand, that is sort of an evolution of television as a, a you know the the biggest megaphone in this larger ecosystem of media. Uh, but at least temporarily, I think that his presidency, because he is such a creature of television, and importantly as president, is so influenced by television, what he sees on TV, what Fox hosts say that he should be doing what he gets mad at, uh, that, that it has at least for a while reaffirmed these importance as just the, the biggest and most important organ in the national nervous system. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, again, 313 1019 is the number on the phones. Let's start with Claudia in Livonia. Claudia, what's on your mind?
2: Good morning. Yes, I did vote for Trump in 2016. Mm -hmm. I thought um, he was the alternative to the swamp and to the Clinton machine. And I know Trump is very brash and uh, the typical kind of New Yorker businessman in your face style. And he maybe he does evolve around television, but that's that's. That's the reality of America, that we kind of revolve around television, unfortunately. And I do feel that I will vote for him again in 2020 because there's still a lot of swamp to clear. And I think they are very worried that the status quo, he's there and shaking it up. And boy, do I like it. I like him (laughs) shaking
0: it up. All right, Claudia, can you give me some examples of things that he's done or said since he's been elected, that make you, that make you feel that way? What, what are the, some of the things you would point to?
2: Um, just because he, he doesn't, he, everyone says he's not presidential. Well, I, I kind of like that he's not presidential, that he is just um, trying to get things changed, trying to protect our border, protecting our guns, protecting the Constitution, Everyone's trying to drag them down with uh, the uh, impeachment, mm. which is not the way to go. Vote them out if you don't like them. Mm. You know,
0: mm.
2: work on the on the work of the people.
0: Mm. Claudia, it
2: does work on the work for the people.
0: Yeah, uh, Claudia, I I really appreciate the call and the comments. I can't say I agree with you at all, but I think it's really important. Uh, for us to be able to to talk to each other about the decisions that we're making and why we're making them right now uh, I really appreciate your listening and and calling in uh, Jim panawazik uh, this is exactly the persona that the president is trying to project and exactly the persona that the campaign in 2016 wanted people to attach to I mean I, I think Claudia yeah. is a, a great example of how effective it was
1: and it's a Big example, I think, of uh, what I talk about a lot in my book, uh, uh, about how basically the theater of politics, as it's performed on TV, as we're seeing it you know, performed, uh, you know, particularly on the conservative side on Fox News and so on, which did a lot to incubate Trump as a political figure, uh, the theater of politics has become the act of politics. Mm. So, you know, I, 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 I will hear this often from people who support Trump, that I like how he fights. I like the people that he makes mad. I like the sense that he is disrupting these norms that he is, you know, upsetting people that, you know, I I disagree with or challenging, you know, what I see as uh uh PC rules that we're not supposed to transgress. You know, that that is the deliverable for me. Uh you know, these things aren't means to an end. It's not it's not the notion that, you know, uh by being outrageous, he can accomplish such and such concrete thing that I will say that he's accomplished or that I want to accomplish. It's the, 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 the outrage, the shock, the fighting, that's the accomplishment in itself. You know, the, that has sort of become for a lot of people, uh, the act of governance. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there who voted for him in 2016. And, you know, whether or not many miles of wall have actually gotten built, much less the, uh, the, 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 the full wall along the border that he said he would build, build, it feels like it's getting built because there's the fighting and the talking about it and the outrage of the people whose you know heads he's making explode. <laughs> the, <laughs> this notion of liberal heads exploding for a lot of people, I think, is the point of the Trump presidency because that's how politics is conducted in the media and on television. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people, whatever he has or has not concretely accomplished, uh, you know, they will gladly vote for four more years of that. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Again, Claudia, I really appreciate the call uh, and your thoughts about uh, the president and television and his image and what you might do next year in uh, 2020. Let's go to Mark in Detroit. Mark, welcome to the program.
3: Hi, I teach architecture at University of Nebraska. um, And maybe a surprise to the callers, we um, study a lot of media theories. And one thing that I try to get my students to understand is from a media theorist, Marshall McLuhan, who famously said that the medium is the message, and theorized that with each new technology uh, would turn the previous technology into an art form. For instance, television turned film into an art form. Hmm. Thus, the internet has turned um, television now into the art form and if we understand what Trump does um, relative to the medium is the message I tell my students it's it actually isn't so much what Trump says I mean that that's what everyone thinks is, is shocking and important but it's the fact that he's really the first politician who has controlled a new social media platform and and that that really is the message, and that is really what has changed the dynamics of politics is that he can make a news story via tweet.
0: Mm. Uh, uh, Mark, that is that is fascinating. Jim Panowicz, react to what Mark is saying.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I tend to agree with a lot of that. I think that a lot of the 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 quote unquote uh, message that. Trump supporters hear from him, uh, again, has as much to do with how he delivers it than it, as it does with the, the, the content of anything that he's saying. It, another thing, to, to get back to your caller's reference to uh, McLuhan, um, I think that an important thing to look at in just the context of these changes in media that enabled somebody like Trump to run for president and, and, and win... Um, I I look a lot at particularly disciples of McLuhan, uh, like Neil Postman, who uh, wrote Amusing Ourselves to Death, um, who made the point, uh, uh, building on some of McLuhan's ideas, that the form of media often determines their content, which is to say that for for Neil Postman, for instance, television, because it's a highly visual medium, Mm -hmm. uh, tends to favor different kinds of messages than print media did. Uh, Much more emotional messages, much more, you know, sort of uh, uh, messages and communications that hit you at a gut level. And a big part of how politics that's conducted through television uh, changed to uh, the kind of gut level politics that, you know, that, 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 that Trump was able to win on uh, th- that's made possible in part because our society is communicating through a medium that is just better at delivering that sort of messages than other kinds of messages. And, you know, it, when, 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 your, when your society is communicating through a certain set of, 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 of pipes, of pipelines, you're going to get the kind of communication that is best suited to travel through those pipes. Hmm.
0: Mm. Okay, Jim Ponowazek, Chief Television Critic for the New York Times And author of the book, Audience of One Donald Trump Television and the Fracturing Of America, was really Great to have you here with us on Detroit Today
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me Yeah,
0: And also remember, Jim will be in town Monday the 21st for the book And Author Society's 95th author luncheon in Livonia you can uh, buy tickets uh, that until 11 o'clock this morning Uh, again October 21st at 11 a.m is when that will take place up next we're going to hear about the benefits and challenges people see when they make the decision to go sober here in Detroit and about the businesses here that are catering to those needs and to that lifestyle stay with us on Detroit Today